Amen. Well, I am so thankful for the grace of God. And um, when you're going through some difficult times and the valleys come, His grace is sufficient. When you feel as though you're not worthy, His grace is sufficient. When you feel like you can't go on, the Bible tells us His grace is sufficient. Well, I'm thankful for that. We're glad you're here this morning. Thankful to be in the Lord's house. Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, I'm about done with hearing anything about coronavirus for a few minutes, okay? <laughs> and I'm not knocking it. I'm not belittling it. I'm just saying for a few minutes, we're going to put it out of our minds. We're glad you're here this morning. Thankful to be in the Lord's house. And um, there's a lot of people that we could be praying for this morning, uh, folks that are traveling, folks that are sick. I do want to say I appreciate um, Craig Clope being here, McKenzie. Yeah. Uh, as you know, last Sunday during the service, they got a call that uh, uh, their niece, 40 years old, passed away from heart issues. And uh, just very sad. A week before that, uh, their nephew on his wife's side had passed away. And so just hit twice. And, and yet, uh, I appreciate Craig being here this morning and, and playing. And Craig didn't know until this morning that he was going to be playing the drums. Normally he plays the bass and his son plays the drums for us or have been during all this time. But Craig... Uh, he knows how to play. He, he acts like maybe he was a little rusty, but he's on it, and I appreciate that. This guy has played for some great people. Uh, two things I discovered about Craig is, one, uh, he used to play and was good friends with, well, probably still is with Stephen Curtis Chapman. The other thing is, is uh, you should see a picture of him from the 80s. It is the best picture you'll ever see, and because uh, he supported that lifestyle of the 80s, that look. He was, he was I'm talking about in style during that time, and uh, I love watching uh, the Facebook posts every once in a while. Memories come up, and uh, not that there was a Facebook back in the 80s, but somehow somebody snuck that memory in, and uh, you got to love friends that do that to you, and uh, I pray every once in a while somebody will put one of those pictures up from a long time ago where I wish that that picture would have disappeared, amen, and, uh, uh, but uh, you got to love that. Second Corinthians chapter number 4 is where we're going to be this morning i got to give a shout-out to Bill and Tammy Allen this morning. They did show up as the most patriotic, being the Sunday before the 4th of July. I'm just going to ask you all to stand up. they got to see you. They're in the back. Come on. You guys got to stand up. I love it. I told them I was tempted to have them stand up, and we would do the pledge to them because, I mean, they got the flag going on, and I love it. Glad that Bill is getting better and continue to pray for him. And uh, pray for Tammy because she has to put up with Bill. So pray for that. But uh, glad you are here this morning. This is our last week. We're dealing with Church Impossible. Now next week we're going to start a new series on end times. And we're going to do that for a couple weeks for the month of July. And next week I'm going to preach on this thought. And I normally don't announce ahead of time the particular sermon. But next week I'm going to preach on this thought. Is America done? We're going to hit that. But let me just say that kind of correlates with what we're going to finish preaching this morning on our Church Impossible series. Because I would remind you that with God all things are what? Possible. Possible. And when God is on the throne that means we still have hope. That, that we don't have to give up. That life isn't over. That uh, we don't just have to you know, go lay down and say alright it's it, it. We're done. Uh, preacher if you've seen the news. If you see all this going on it just seems like uh, we're in chaos. And it just seems like we're in a mess. And, and maybe you went through in this time of the coronavirus losing your job. Or maybe something drastic is happening to change your life. And, and you just get to a point where you say I'm just, I'm just ready to, to give up and throw in the towel. But the reality is, is God's still on the throne. So we 
we still have hope and we still have a reason to keep going. We still have a reason to keep serving. We still have a reason to keep doing the things that God has called us to do. And we're going to look here this morning at this third thought. We talked about our purpose as a church. We talked about our passion. This morning I want to talk about our priority. And by the way, I believe that every person in this room this morning ought to address this thought. What is my priority in life? Matter of fact, what is my priority right now as we come to the end of June, beginning of July in 2020, what is my priority? What is most important to me right now? For some, it's, it's just trying to not get sick. And uh, by the way, what a blessing. I love it. Every once in a while, I'll be driving by somebody that's in the car by themselves and they have a mask on. And I love it because I think they're even thinking they could get themselves sick. Maybe you don't understand how a virus works. That's all right. Some people, I don't want to get sick. And I'm not knocking if you wear a mask by any means. Some people, it's just, I just don't want to get sick. For some, it's like, uh, I preacher, I just right now, I'm so focused on the, the, the destruction of all that's going on around us. And, and, and I, just, I just don't want to get caught up in, in the mess. And, and maybe, maybe you're like a lot of people. You're just tired of, uh, of politics as it's become here in America. Where... We hate these people, they hate us, and we all can't get along. And somebody said the reason that we can't sit down and talk about issues anymore is because we never learned to sit down and talk about issues. If you don't agree with me, I can't talk to you. By the way, i got to not preach next week's sermon. i got to get back to this. Amen. But what is your priority? Look in 2 Corinthians chapter number 4 and verse 1. The Bible says, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, if we receive mercy, we faint not. But have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Verse 3, but if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. Now, Father, please meet with us this morning. Fill us with your power. Lord, thank you for every person that is here. And I pray, Lord, that we would be reminded that with you all things are possible. Lord, because of your grace, we have a reason to even uh, rejoice this morning. If it wasn't for that, Lord, we would be of all people most miserable. God, we're thankful for your grace, your mercy, your truth. Bless now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If there's anything that the church requires, especially in 2020, it is the priority of the church should produce real labor, one that's genuine and wholehearted work. It ought to cause us to, uh, to do something for Christ. It ought to cause us to be motivated to live for Christ. As you read through the book of Acts and the epistles of the New Testament, it's easy to see that the labor of the apostles and church leaders uh, invested in spreading the gospel around the world. This was their mission. This was their goal, to be busy getting the gospel out to the world. It, it wasn't that they were trying to figure out how not to do more for Christ. They were trying to figure out how to do more for Christ. Matter of fact, I think if we could interview the apostles today and tell them uh, about the technology we have today, they would be so envious, a little bit of jealousy might creep in because of the opportunity that you and I have to literally, with a click of a button, take the gospel from right here all the way around the world. 
for them to go to the othermost parts of the earth. It meant weeks, if not months of journeying. It meant much difficulty in traveling. It wasn't like now uh, where there was a, a Motel 6 that left their light on everywhere you went. I mean, they were trying to travel without many times places to stay. Matter of fact, when they began to lead people to the Lord and they began to establish churches, they began to rely on those same people to give them a place to rest when they came back through. It was much labor, but their desire was to get the gospel out. Paul's willingness to pour himself into the work, it bears testimony to how worthy the Lord is to our labor in the local church. It's also evident that the local church requires the labor of God's people if the church will accomplish its purpose in spreading the gospel. In other words, we're not going to get the gospel to a lost and dying world if God's people don't get busy getting the gospel out. We have a responsibility. We have a task. If you came to church today hoping to hear that you don't need to do anything else for God, just, just sit there and smile, you're going to not like this message. Because the reality is God has commanded us as his children to be busy, not only laboring for him, but to be busy taking the gospel to the uttermost parts of the earth. Labor for the Lord is not reserved for the pastor or for the staff or for the leadership only. It is reserved for every member, every saved, born-again believer. We have a responsibility to do the work that God has called us to do. Serving the Lord, by the way, is a great privilege. Let me just say it again. Serving the Lord is a great privilege. Say that word, great privilege, with me. Here we go. Great. It's a great privilege to be able to serve the Lord. It's a, it's a wonderful thing that we have the opportunity to serve Him. No matter how insignificant our area of service is, no matter how little it may seem, God sees and rewards those who faithfully serve Him. Hebrews 6.10, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and your labor of love. God is going to remember. He's going to recognize everything that you did for Him. You say, Preacher, I was serving at a church and I was, I was trying my best and nobody recognized me. I promise you, there is one who recognized everything you did, God Himself. And the Bible says He's not uh, going to Forget what you've done. But as great of an opportunity it is to serve the Lord, and sometimes we get our priorities confused, and we forget what it is, and, and we may enter the area of ministry, of service, excited about serving Him. And man, maybe as a new believer, you're, you're wanting to do something for Christ, but along the way, if you're not careful, you'll begin to lose that, that excitement. You'll begin to lose that enthusiasm about living for God and serving God. And if you're not careful, your priority will begin to shift to other things. And if we're not careful, we'll begin to get so uh, focused on this life that we forget there's another coming. This isn't it. This isn't final. Uh, is anybody else glad that when they put me in, in the coffin, when they put us in the coffin, that's not it? If that's it, not much hope at the funeral service. I've literally preached hundreds and hundreds of funerals. I started preaching funerals when I was a teenager, partly because uh, I worked at a funeral home when I was 18, 19 years of age, uh, when I was working at the college, and they knew that I was going to college to be a preacher, and so oftentimes if they didn't have a preacher, or a few occasions the preacher didn't make it for whatever reason, I was the one that got to do the funeral. I'll never forget my first day working at the funeral home that they sent me off by myself. They said, you're going to go to this graveside and, and you're going to do this funeral. It's about a 45-minute drive and you're going to go out there. And, and, and they had had this guy cremated. They gave me the little box. They said, you can go out there. You're going to make sure that the, the cemetery guys get it. They're going to do the funeral. They're going to bury it. And you can come back. Easy enough. Of course, this was before I had a GPS. It took me forever to find this place, but thankfully, I was about an hour ahead. I got there, I got set up, and, and the family started gathering in, and people started gathering. About 75 people showed up for this little graveside service, and, and the brother and I were talking. He was a little bit older gentleman, and I was telling him about being in Bible college and what I was doing, and, and about five minutes before we were to start, he came to me and said, hey, I, I, I've got bad news. The preacher can't make it. 
And I said, wow, man, that is bad news for you guys. And he said, well, I was kind of hoping since you're going to Bible college, maybe you could do something. How do you do a funeral for somebody you've never met? I mean, I could be up there saying this is the greatest guy ever, and they could say, no, he was the worst guy ever. I could say he was an average guy, and they might say he's the greatest guy. What am I going to do? So I, I didn't even know if I had a Bible. I went over to my little van that I had drove in, and I found a big family Bible. Nothing like bringing the family Bible out. <laughs> Brought it out there, and I held it up, and that's what I'm going to preach from. They probably thought this was going to be a long funeral service. Amen. And I got up there, and I shared some verses of comfort and tried to help. I got done. I waited 45 minutes. No guys from the cemetery showed up. We're out in the middle of nowhere. It was up to me. They already had a hole to get that box in there and cover it up. I didn't know what to do. I didn't have no cell phone back then. So I got it all done. I come back. I'm sweating. The guys asked me what in the world happened. I said, I preached a funeral and I buried the guy. They said, we've never had to do that before. I said, well, <laughs> wonderful, I have. But aren't you glad when we are laid down to rest? Listen, there's hope beyond the grave. Whether you've been serving the Lord in a local church for years or maybe you're a new Christian just getting in your area of service, listen, it's vital you recognize the honor that it is, the privilege it is to be involved in the work of the Lord. In reality, the greatest and most eternal work we do is our service for the Lord. Uh, living for Him is so important. It's a privilege to be able to serve Him. Hey, listen, it might be helping in the nursery. It might be preparing a lesson for our kids' city. It might be visiting shut-ins or cleaning the church building or serving as an usher or greeter. It might be helping on the safety team. All of these areas, listen, are opportunities and privileges to be able to serve the Lord. True labor for the Lord includes the mundane as well. As the glamorous, it includes the thankless jobs, not just the one that people get the praise. But hear me out. Listen, we ought to be laboring for the Lord. So what is our priority? The Bible says our priority ought to be as Jesus' priority was, and that was about doing the Father's business. Do you understand God's called us to do something while we're here on this life? I don't know if we can emphasize this enough, but God puts you right here at this time for a purpose. I love reading history. I'm in my eighth book this year reading through history, and I'm reading a book about President Arthur, who was the unexpected president because of Garfield being shot, and I've been reading about this. But just as after, this is just shortly after the Civil War, and I'm reading about all that's going on and in a time probably most darkest of our nation's history. And as I'm reading some of these books, I just sort of imagine what it must have felt like, a little bit of the... the, 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 the the gloom that held over from this great war and how it must have been. And, and, and as I read these, these stories, and sometimes I'll, I'll read of different eras, different times, and try to imagine what it was like, but do you understand God puts you right here in 2020 for a purpose? And by the way, the purpose is not to go and hide and do nothing for the cause of Christ. He puts you here because He's equipped you with the ability to make a difference. How do we figure our priorities? Let me give you three quick things. First off, you've got to recognize your role. Recognize your role. Every Christian is to labor for the Lord. Paul begins the message on labor in the local church with a reminder that it's a role that's been entrusted to us by God, that we're to, we're to labor for Him in 2 Corinthians 4.1. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry as we have received mercy, we faint not. The labor began at salvation. We notice in 2 Corinthians 4.1, therefore, this word tells us that, that what was previously mentioned is our ministry in chapter, uh, the chapters preceding, Paul describes that we as Christians are entrusted as ministers with a particular message, with the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to take it to a lost and dying world. Now let me ask you a question. If the world doesn't know the truth, whose fault is it? Well, it's their fault because they don't listen. 
Well, it's their fault because somebody should have told them. No, no, no. If the world doesn't know the message, the truth of Jesus Christ, whose fault is it? It's our fault because it's our responsibility to take the gospel to everybody. It's our responsibility to get the good news of Jesus Christ to others. And we see this responsibility began at salvation as God entrusted us to take the gospel to every creature. We notice in 2 Corinthians 3, 6, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament. He's equipped us to be what he wants us to be. The message of the new covenant is the gospel, the death, the peril, the resurrection of Jesus that made salvation possible for all people. This is a ministry that we are to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, understand this. Uh, there's a lot of people who desire a ministry, but let me just say none of us deserve a ministry if we're not first doing the most important thing, and that's getting the gospel out. Well, I, I, I just, I'm not going to serve the Lord until I'm made head of this. I'm not going to serve the Lord. I, I, I'll be honest, and this is very truthful. If the Lord moved me out of being a senior pastor tomorrow, I still have a responsibility to serve him. Sometimes, and I say this carefully, but sometimes it would be easier not to be in this position. Amen. You, you want to have a rough time sleeping on Saturday nights, become a senior pastor. You, you, you want to have some difficulty. Somebody says, boy, it must be nice. Be up there in the platform, everybody's staring at you. Do you see what I'm looking at? <laughs> no, the reality is, listen, if we're not doing the very first most important thing, we don't deserve anything else because our priority, first off, must be, must be of that of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've all been given ministry opportunities, and we all are supernaturally gifted to use these as the Holy Spirit of God, listen, uh, teaches us and helps us along the way. D.L. Moody, a well-known preacher back in the 1800s, said a good many are kept out of service of Christ, deprived of the luxury of working for God because they're trying to do some great thing. Let us be willing to do the little things and let us remember that nothing is small in which God is the true source. Hey, listen, quit trying to be something great for God and just be willing to do anything for God. Quit feeling like I have to be at this place to serve God and saying, God, I'm just, I'm just thankful you'd let me even be a minister of the gospel to take it out to a lost and dying world. By the way, you can't stand up here and preach and you can't stand up here and sing and you can't stand up there and teach and you can't stand up before people and proclaim Christ if you're not sharing him with others. It's just not right. What good is a preacher if he never tells people about Jesus? I don't care how good he preaches. What good is a singer, listen, if he never shares Jesus, I don't care how great their worship is. What good is a teacher, and on and on I could go, if they're not proclaiming Jesus Christ. Listen, this is not the only place to give the gospel out. I would say that this place right here is probably the place that we need to do at least. So what do you mean? I'm just saying the majority of people that come here know Christ. Where we really need to get busy taking the gospel out is not here on Sunday morning or not here at Wednesday night service, but rather taking it out to the world who does not know Christ. Find those that we need to rescue, as the old song says, rescue the perishing. Every saint is to be a server. Every member is to be a minister. Our role as laborers for Christ begins the very moment of salvation, but then it continues by mercy. We continue by his mercy to do what he's called us to do. Only by God's mercy is continued ministry possible. In other words, only because of his mercy can we keep doing what he's called us to do. 2 Corinthians 4.1, as we have received mercy, we faint not. Because of that, we can keep going. Charles Spurgeon noted, if we give God service, it must not be because he gives us grace. We work for him because he works in us. Indeed, we need grace. Uh, we need God's grace if we are to serve him. Human effort and energy will fail, but God's grace infuses our hearts with both the desire and the power to do God's work. He enables us to do what he's called us to do. 
our role as a servant for the Lord can expand and reach as the Lord expands our knowledge of Him and the experience that He gives us. Listen, if you've been saved for any length of time, your, your, your labor for Christ, your knowledge for Christ ought to have grown. Here's what's sad is physically speaking, we're greatly concerned when a child doesn't grow and develop. I told Miss Pat Robinson a while ago, she needs to tell those boys to stop growing. They're getting taller than I am. I'm tired of it. Every time I turn around, they've grown another three or four inches. We would be concerned if our children didn't grow, but how often do we see spiritually God's children not growing in their life? We're comfortable. We're content with just sitting there and doing very little. Matter of fact, the average Christian is trying to find ways to get out of doing work for God instead of saying, Lord, what else can I do to make a difference in somebody's life? Hudson Taylor, a missionary to China, uh, made a, a profound statement. He said, I used to ask God to help me. He said, then I asked him if I might help him. And I ended up by asking him to do his work through me. God, let me accomplish something uh, for you. God, use me that I might help others with the gospel message. Instead of saying, Lord, how can I get out of doing more? By the way, I don't think we actually ask him that because we know that's not his desire. But it's saying, it's saying, boy, how can I get out of doing more? How about, Lord, how can more be accomplished for your cause through me? Our priority, recognize your role. Number two, re reveal the truth. Specifically, how do we serve the Lord? By making truth known. The primary function of the Christian ministry is, is to distribute the truth. By the way, listen, if you don't believe that this book right here is, is the word of God, if you don't believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, then why are you here? I, I, and I don't mean necessarily just physically here, but why are you, quote, unquote, a Christian? They did a survey back several years ago asking Christians, the average Christian that went to church, and I don't know who all they were serving, but they asked them how many believed in heaven. It was 78%. How many believe in hell? Less than 50%. How many believe in, in, in the fact that the Bible is the word of God? And it was barely over 50%. Now let me ask you a question. Why would you be wrapped up in a religious thing that you don't believe in? I, I'm just saying there's some other religions that allow you to get by with a lot more than the Christian faith. If this isn't the truth. But the Bible says, listen, uh, we're, to, we're to be involved in sharing the truth. The primary function is that we make truth known. If you study ministry through the New Testament, you'll find it relates to the conveying truth of preaching and teaching of God's truth. That's what Paul's ministry was all about, sharing the truth of God's word through pure doctrine, 2 Corinthians 4.2, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. Listen, we're not trying to deceive people. That's why I want people to know when we talk about the message, the salvation message of Jesus Christ. Listen, it's not my words and it's not my way or somebody else's way, but it's what God's word says. He says there's only one way to heaven. Jesus said it himself. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father but by me. He says it's not of works. Listen, that we should post, but by grace are we saved through faith. Listen, it's not something that we've made up. It's what God's word says, and we're not to be deceitful of the truth. People that try to misuse the word of God to fit their own character. I was reading about the assassin of Garfield. And by the way, he was known as the preacher. Now, I think he had a little bit wrong upstairs. But he had gotten involved in, in what they called the socialist gospel of that day. And there were some strange things because in this religion, you could live sexually however you wanted to. And there was a lot of things that went that go against the word of God. But I was reading about this, and he really believed that he was doing God's work because he said, God, if you don't want me to kill Garfield, you're going to put a stop to it. 
And by the way, God could have, but that's not how God operates. And this guy really believed that, that he was doing God's work. He found out five months later when they sentenced him to death and hung him that it didn't turn out too favorably, favorably for him. Here's the reality this morning. Listen, God has called us to do a work. God's given us a, 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 a strong uh, in, a commandment in the Bible that we're to proclaim truth and we're to do it through pure doctrine. We, we can't be deceitful. A soldier in a battle cannot simply wave a sword hoping that it's going to connect with somebody. And neither can you and I. Listen, we've got to get in the word of God and study to show thyself approved. In other words, know what God's word says. Quit taking other people's word for it. There's some people you've developed all kinds of thoughts doctrinally of what you believe based on somebody else's words. What, why not look and see what God says for yourself? Do you know, listen, that God, when you got saved, put the Holy Spirit of God inside of you to give you discernment and understanding of knowing right and wrong? He put it in there. Instead of maybe accepting what mom and dad said, and I'm not knocking that, instead of accepting what the preacher says, instead of accepting what somebody on YouTube says, how about getting in the Bible and finding out what thus saith the Lord says? And then we understand through pure doctrine, we are to give the word of God out. But not only that, through pure lives, a pure testimony of integrity and holiness advances the truth because it cuts straight to the heart of those who see it. Second Corinthians 4, 2, but by manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. To labor for the Lord, you must be aware of the matters of your testimony. In other words, how you live is important because people are watching your lives. We recognize our role. We reveal the truth through pure doctrine, through pure lives. We give you this last one. We remember our responsibilities. The seriousness of our responsibility as laborers in the church is that we oftentimes, if we're not careful, we'll begin to shrink our duties. And here's the thing you got to understand is there's no other organization, there's no other group that's, that's going to stand in and fill in the gap for what God's called us to do. Let me ask you a question. How many have heard somebody say sometime, if God's a God of love, why would he condemn somebody to hell? You ever heard somebody say that? Now, I can preach all the reasons why, but let me ask you a question. If you're a person of love, why would you sit on your tail and never tell anybody the truth when you've been given the gospel message? By the way, I'm not responsible and I can't answer for God. His ways are far above my ways. But I am responsible for my life and my actions. And I'm responsible for what God's called me to do. He's given me the command to get the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to every creature, every person. Our work is an eternal work, and it carries a weighty responsibility. We're to preach Christ. The Bible says our first and greatest responsibility is to preach Jesus. Listen, it is not about the pastor. It's not about the worship team. It's not about anybody else. Listen, this is what this church exists for, to preach Christ Jesus and if we get away from preaching that, we've gotten off target. If we don't share the gospel of Christ, the Bible says we've hid it to the lost. We're to serve others. As Paul preached the gospel, he made himself an available servant. 2 Corinthians 4, 5, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. It's one thing to declare yourself as Christ's servants. It's another thing to declare yourself a servant for others. I'm here to help you. I'm here to exist to be a blessing to you. How, how many would recognize in 2020, most people, life is about themselves? Matter of fact, if you watch the modern day psychologists and all them, they'll tell you that you gotta take care of number one first. Now there is a role and there's a responsibility in life. And, and sometimes if your life isn't right, you're not gonna be able to help others. 
But, but that's not what we're talking about. You've you got to spiritually be walking with God before you're going to be able to help somebody else spiritually. But oftentimes in life, people's attitude is, is, I don't have time for anybody else because I'm always existing for me. We're here, we're here to serve others. It's one thing to declare yourself that I'm just, I'm just going to serve the Lord, but how about helping others? A missionary to Africa was one time asked if he enjoyed the work that he does over there. And he gave a unique response they were not expecting. He said, no, I do not like being a missionary here. They were quite shocked by that. He said, we have reasonable, refined sensibilities. He said, my wife and I, we don't like dirt. We don't like crawling through the huts where the goats went to the bathroom everywhere. He said, we don't like filth. He said, but we like doing the work of Christ. And his work has constrained us to be where God has put us right here in this place. We're not doing this because this is the thing we enjoy the most, but rather we're doing this because we want to find something that we can do for Christ while we're here on this earth to make a difference in somebody's life. The labor is not about us, it's about Christ. Those in the local church often are called upon tasks to do that they don't necessarily enjoy doing. Do the ushers enjoy cleaning vomit in the hallway when somebody throws up? Did y'all know that happens at church sometimes? I know this is going to shock you, especially in a now coronavirus world, but people sometimes show up to church sick when they think they can make it. Do you think the nursery workers love changing messy diapers? <clears throat> you think the cleaning, cleaning teams enjoy mopping up the muddy floors? Sometimes, to be honest, listen, for the, for the task itself's sake, they don't enjoy it. But however, they enjoy the fact that they're making a difference, really can change somebody's life. The work that they're doing can help bring somebody to the gospel message of Jesus Christ. It's important that we understand what we're doing. Our labor is not in vain if it's involved in working for the Lord. <clears throat> Mature Christians push past the comfort zones. They do things that they don't, don't always want to do. Let me, let me ask you a question this morning. When's the last time you had to do something for the Lord that was uncomfortable? When's the last time you had to do something that was uncomfortable? I mean, you just didn't really enjoy it. But it's amazing when you do those things. At the end, I found most of the time there's always a satisfaction. And here's why. Because you weren't doing it for yourself. Because it wasn't something you enjoyed. But rather you were doing it for the Lord himself. And there's something about being obedient to him. Ministry is not just about the platform. It doesn't just take place behind this pulpit here. Labor ministry is for every Christian in a church with right priorities. Is a church full of people who invest in laboring. Uh, listen, in the most enduring labor here on earth. And that is getting the gospel message of Jesus, uh, Jesus Christ out to a lost and dying world. Some identified a variety of Christians in their attitude of serving they say some are like wheelbarrows. They're not good unless they're pushed. Some are like canoes. They need to be paddled. Some are like kites. If a string isn't kept on, they'll fly away. Some are like balloons full of wind and ready to blow up. Some are like footballs. You never know which way they're going to bounce. Some are like trailers. They have to be pulled. Some are like neon lights. They keep going on and off. But praise the Lord, some are like the northern star. They're there when you need them. They're dependable. They're always in the right place. Can I just say, listen, before you get too focused on everything else, focus back on this thought for a minute. Am I laboring for Christ? Is my priorities right? This week started out pretty good for all of us. Let me tell you how I know that. 
because it just started this morning and we're all at church. You can check that off your bucket list. Went to church. Good week. And for some, hopefully you even got in the scripture a little bit this morning. I know for some of you, this is your day to sleep in. And so you're like, preacher, I get all the scripture at church that I need. This morning I read through my Bible. I even got up later than I was supposed to. I didn't go to sleep till four this morning. And then I got up later than I was supposed to. And I was in a hurry. I was afraid I wasn't going to have time to get my hair done. <laughs> Rushing to get here. And I still got here before everybody else. I just knew Daryl was going to beat me here this morning, and I was not going to let that happen. He's mad when the coffee's not ready when he gets here. No, I'm just kidding. I hurried up, man, got around this morning. Hey, listen, we started off, we're at church, it's a good day, but let me ask you a question. What are we going to do starting tomorrow for Christ? Have we got our priorities ready to serve him this week? Serving him, listen, is the greatest pleasure that you and I can enjoy here on this life. When you get done at the end of your life, I believe with all my heart, if you've served the Lord with the best of your ability, that joy will far outweigh you winning a lottery ticket. That joy will far outweigh the greatest material pleasures you can enjoy here on this earth. We've all wanted to enjoy some. For some, it's a yacht. For some, it's a plane. For some, it's a sports car. My little boys, they are stuck on Lamborghinis. And they came home this week and they said, Dad, we bought a Lamborghini. And then they pulled it out. <laughs> they both had a little Lamborghini. And I said, yep, that's the only one I've ever been able to afford to. Amen. <laughs> hey, listen, but life at the end of it is not going to be about all the things that we had, but rather it's going to be, did we do much for Christ while we were here? Hey, the Bible says, know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for we'll reap if we faint not. And he's told us that he'll give us the ability, listen, to finish the ministry so that we don't faint in what he's called us to do. Father, I pray this morning that you would help us to be faithful in fulfilling your calling in our life. Lord, help us to recognize the importance of the priority of God's people Help us to realize the priority that you've given to this local church to be busy doing the work you've called us to do. Have your will and way in this invitation. We pray with heads bowed and eyes closed just for a moment. This morning, I'm gonna ask you a couple things. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as your savior, I'd love for you to come this morning and we'll have somebody show you from the word of God. It's not what we say, but it's literally, we're gonna show you what, what God's word says, how you can know that you're going to heaven when you die. We're not here to embarrass anybody. We'd love for you to know Christ before you leave this place. Maybe you're here today and you say, Preacher, I've been saved, but I'd like to follow the Lord in baptism. Maybe you say, Preacher, I'd, we'd like to unite with this church. This is a good time to do that. Maybe you're here today and you just need to ask the Lord, God, I haven't really gotten my priorities straight when it comes to serving you. And I pray that you would show me what my priorities should be. Maybe you're here today and you just feel a need to spend a moment in prayer. I want to invite you. We're going to sing. As we stand together, you need to come this morning. Won't you come?
You, let me ask you a question this morning. How many would say that uh, you've been burdened about what's happening in our country? Would you admit to that this morning? And it doesn't matter what side. Here's the thing. There is literally only two sides. There's right and wrong. There's righteous and unrighteous. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Rules of darkness. That's what we're facing here. This is this is a distraction to pull people away from the truth. This is a distraction for God's people to get away from the truth. And so you and I have an opportunity right now this morning to, to do something about it. In my opinion, here's what America needs. We need Jesus Christ.